0: You're listening to hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self improvement addict, and a host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. Um, I believe if you were following me, you would have checked out um, a little sneak peek at me paying a visit to Dr. Jennifer Armstrong from Real Housewives of Orange County. Stay tuned. I'll be breaking down more of that. Um, But if you do want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, just go and give us a follow at NoFillToWithZack on the Instagram. Or you can always join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. Okay. so we have a lot of tea to break down today. We're going to get into the Erica Girardi, Erica Jane, Girardi Key stuff, because that filing is it's pretty big. Jay Edelson is back in the game and he's making some pretty big accusations, um, not just about Girardi Keyes and the lawyers involved, but he also made a really big accusation calling Erica Jane the front woman, the front woman for all of this. Um Yeah, it is. It's a lot. We'll dive into it. We'll cover it briefly in the next week. We're going to dive in deeper with Emily D. Baker. We're also going to talk about Courtney and Travis. They've gotten married. Mike Showhead from... Shaws of Sunset has been arrested. We have a lot to break down today, you guys. But before we get to today's tea, we just wanted to say that I, or I just wanted to say that I'm so excited to be partnering with our pals at Pure Cane for our spilling tea live tour this month, you guys. Pure Cane is a zero calorie sweetener that tastes just like sugar without the bitter aftertaste. It's 100% natural with zero net carbs. It is keto friendly. It's diabetic friendly. It is all vegan. And it is so, so yummy. And we're excited to share that all of the cocktails at this Thursday's live show at the Bourbon Room will be sweetened with pure cane so that you guys get to try it. It's been my secret weapon and Adam's too, but it's been our secret weapon to help cut sugar while we're staying healthy for the tour. And we can't wait for you guys to try it. You can bake with it. You can sip it. You can sprinkle it on your favorite desserts. It's perfect for any occasion. So head over to purecane.com to learn more and give it a try. That's purecane.com. It's also available on Amazon. It is in my Amazon storefront if you guys want to snag it there. But just remember the tea is always better when it's sweetened with pure cane. Shall we get into the tea, you guys? There's a lot. Let's, I guess we could start with the Erica Jane. Girardi Keys stuff because, like I said, it's very deep. There's a lot of new accusations that are being made. And I'm actually very happy about this new filing because it seems like somebody's been reading my tweets because all the names that I've been spilling on Twitter are finally being named in these lawsuits, and it's about damn time we talk about them. Let's mention it all. Okay, so Erica Jane has been named the front woman in a new $50 million lawsuit that Jay Edelson is going to be filing. So We will, Like I said, we will be doing a deeper dive into all of this next week on our Spilling Tea Live Nashville show with Emily D. Baker. If you guys are available to come out in Nashville, we would love to see you. But if not, you can always live stream the show. Tickets are available at SpillingTeaLive.com. In-person tickets. VIP is sold out, but we do have in-person tickets and we do have live stream tickets that are still available. Again, I'll be recapping it briefly. I haven't gotten a chance to really dive through all of the paperwork we are on this Spilling Tea live tour, so we've been very busy trying to get everything ready for our first show in LA, but I promise I will study up over the weekend, and when we have Emily doing the show, we will be dissecting it, so I suggest you get your tickets now at SpillingTeaLive.com so that you don't miss that. You do not want to miss it, guys. I'm telling you. Emily's going to be dropping that legal tea, so I feel like my tweets have finally been heard because Jay Edelson is filing his new lawsuit, and it is oof, oof. So, well, actually, it has yet to be officially filed, but it is coming. And what happens is he needs to... Um, so as we know, Jay Edelson from Edelson PC, he's representing the Lion Air victims, which are, and I hate to refer to it like this, or I hate to refer to them like this, but it's just how we all know them and reference them, but the orphans and the widows from the plane crash. So he is representing them. He was initially suing Erica for $2 million. And that was out of Illinois. The case was dismissed. He said he would be back though. And here we are. He is back. So he's awaiting approval from the courts because he wants them to greenlight an agreement that he made with the Lion Air clients, essentially to pay them out of pocket first and then pursue action against Girardi, Keese and company and get his payment for them through pursuing them, so will he get all this money? Probably not. the uh, The new lawsuit is for fifty million dollars. That is a lot of money. I don't imagine he sees all fifty million. We do know that the Lion Air clients are due about two million. That is owed to them. That was never paid to them from Girardi Keese. So in this new filing, though, or in this new um. In this, yeah, in this new filing. So these are the complaints that he is alleging against Girardi Keese and company. And by and company, I mean all the people that are named in this complaint. Or, so first up, he is the complaints are racketeering, conspiracy to commit racketeering, receipt of stolen property, aiding and abetting concealment of stolen property, Money had and received, conversion, unlawful business practice, Consumers Legal Remedies Act, deceit, and he is demanding that there is a jury trial to help settle all of this. So there's a lot. The biggest ones that I keep hearing about are people talking about racketeering. It's a big accusation, but it actually, when you dive through all of this, I my initial reaction to all of it was like, oof, this is not looking good, especially for Erica Jane. But as you know, as in the terms of Emily D. Baker, we like to play with the fact, and not fuckery. We don't like speculation, so we'll let's break it all down for us. Okay, so Edelson PC is alleging that Geordie Keese was fronting as a law firm and that they were in actuality a criminal enterprise. So he's saying that this was like a deliberate scheme. He alleges that there was an entire system in place intentionally created to defraud and steal from the clients. He claims that the the firm would hire case runners, which are people that are not practicing attorneys. They're regular people that were written off as consultants. And I say that with air quotes for people that are listening to the podcast and not watching this. So... He, they would hire case runners to find vulnerable clients that were in need of representation and bring them into Girardi Keys. Now, they would pay them for this service, which is illegal, and on top of paying them, on top of paying these case runners, so let's say Gerardy Keys hired me. I was just an individual. I don't have a law degree. And I I had to go out and look for people that had been in, you know, a car accident. Or, I mean, obviously it was a lot, the cases that they were taking were a lot bigger. But I would go around, you know, maybe I'm knocking on doors. Maybe I'm putting an ad out on Instagram. I don't know. But they were doing they were tr- they were pursuing people that were in need of representation for these big lawsuits. I would then take those clients over to Jody Key, say, "Hey, I brought you Jane Doe." They would pay me for my service as a consultant again, illegal. And then on top of that, I would then be making this is all hypothetical. I would then be making as a case retainer. Um, I would be getting a commission from whatever the settlement was that this client would get. Also illegal. None of this is kosher. This is not like, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to hire people to pursue, you know, vulnerable clients. And you're also not allowed to pay them for that service. Yeah, that's why you'd be hiring them because you're paying them. And you would also not be allowed to um, give them any commission from that client settlement. Like, why would I get commission from Jane Doe settlement if I didn't work on the actual case against Jane Doe? Not good. Not good, Tom Girardi. So they were apparently paid in cash. and then get their cut back from whatever money came in all illegal. David Lira and Keith Griffin, you'll remember those are two of the senior attorneys at Geordie Keese. I've talked about them a lot. I've said that the attention needs to be focused more on them, and I'm glad that we're finally focusing the attention on them because Edelson PC is accusing David Lira and Keith Griffin of, um, they're accused with basically heading this entire scheme and maintaining the the business's successful front, negotiating crooked deals, fending off clients when they're like, hey, where's my money? So they were essentially doing all of the heavy lifting Tom Girardi I would assume would have been like the head honcho and then he used David Lira and Keith Griffin to execute on all of these things Now, the lenders are also looped into this, too, which is the first time we're seeing this. We very rarely hear of the vendors being part of or being accused of being um, complicit or involved in all of this outside of just lending Tom Girardi money. I know there have been accusations. Well, a lot of us had questions. We're like, well, how is how is he able to still get these loans while not like while having like because he was putting collateral up. For multiple different loans, and we're like, how is he getting away from that? How is it that he had so much debt, and yet these people were still giving him um, additional money? And like, it just it didn't make sense. And so there were, you know, there was some suspicion around whether or not they were a part of this and how involved they were a part of this. Um, Were was it all just kind of one big circle jerk of shuffling the money around to each other? Well, now we're seeing the lenders be brought into this um, because as we learned when funds for when fun, when client money was running low, that's when they would actually go to the lenders. And that's when they would try to take out money because, I mean, you know, orphan and widow money ran out and we need to continue to pay for the it's expensive to be me music video. So let's go in and get it from the lenders. So they're accused of being in on it. One in particular, DeNardo apparently lent Girardi Key's money and then also had a first cut deal where once a settlement was reached with the client, DiNardo would then receive his money back first before it even went into the Girardi Key's accounts. So also not legal. Like you can't like if like if there's a if I take out money from a lender, if I'm like, hey, can I borrow 20 bucks? I'll pay you back. Then when I have that additional disposable 20 bucks in my bank account, then I can pay that back. But in this case, that wasn't what happened. I was then going over representing hypothetically, representing these vulnerable clients. And then once I earn them, let's say $30, then I just take that $20 and give it right back to the lender, right back to DiNardo. I can't do that. That's client money. It has to go into the account for the clients. Then the, the client gets paid out and I get my 40% commission as representation for the client. I can't just you know take that money out ahead of time and Donardo as a lender should have known that that is not legal so to even agree on this first cut deal also bad very bad then we have Chris Kimono who's finally Chris Kimono sorry who's finally being dragged into all of this we know that Chris was the bookkeeper he oversaw the money he managed the money he ran all of the books or misran all of the books we should say He is not clean in all of this. Him, David Lira, Keith Griffin, they've all been pleading the fifth. I would imagine at this point, like now it's finally time to put them in the hot seat and start to grill them because we can't let them continue to get away with this. We can't just be like, oh, they don't want to incriminate themselves. So then we're just not going to address it with them at all. No, it's time to hold these people accountable. Now let's talk about Erica. So we have Keith Griffin, David Lira. We have Chris Camone. We have the lenders that are being looped into this. And now they're also naming Erica as somebody that was a participant in all of this. And this is where it gets a little dicey. So Erica being accused of being the front woman for this scheme. What does that mean exactly? So the claim is that her role was to project out into the world that they were wealthy and that they were expensive. She was supposed to flaunt it on television to show how successful Tom Girardi was and how successful Girardi Keese was. That's why she wrote, they're claiming that's why she wrote expensive was to show off her lavish lavish lifestyle. Um, You know, they're claiming that at the reunion when she was shooting down, when they would ask about, you know, a lawsuit and she was like, oh, how about this? It was settled and they apologized to Tom. That that was all part of the scheme. Um, That she was complicit in, or I don't know if they're claiming that she was, I mean, I guess they are kind of claiming that she was complicit in all of this. Is it true? I mean, her job on Housewives was to show off her lavish lifestyle if you got it and you're on tv why not flaunt it you're on a luxury reality show about wealthy people in beverly hills like that's like saying you know people on bling on netflix's bling empire were flashing their wealth as a part of a scheme it's a bit of a flimsy argument if we're being honest um That was her job. Her job was on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That's like saying, oh, you know, Teresa was stirring up drama and flipping a table on Real Housewives of New Jersey because it was part of some bigger, you know, criminal enterprise that she was involved in. No, she was hired on a reality show and her job is to stir the pot and cause drama. And she was very good at her job. And I think when it comes to Beverly Hills, the women are encouraged to flash their lavish lifestyles. They're encouraged to talk about their money. They're encouraged to take private jets and luxury vacations, and it's all part of the deal. Um, Does that mean that she was doing it for Girardi Keys? I don't believe that to be the case. Because my thought is, if she's been accused of flaunting it, and that was to maintain an image... Then are the press publications that were writing all these rave reviews or rave pieces about Tom Girardi, are they also responsible because they're technically helping to keep up the front as well? Are the magazines that were putting Tom Girardi on the cover and saying that he was a great lawyer, are they responsible as well because putting him on the cover of magazines, that seems like you're helping him keep up his front as well. So how is it that we're accusing Eric of these things? Like then if we're accusing... (laughs) Are the people that gave Tom Girardi awards are they responsible because they gave him the credibility to maintain the front? Like if Erica was a frontman, then all these other people that were helping to create this illusion, this you know Wizard of Oz sort of facade, this smoke and mirrors image of what Girardi Keyes was, I think they're all pretty complicit. If that's kind of the net that we're throwing out there, I don't think she did that knowingly. It's not a bad argument, I'm not going to lie. It's a flimsy argument, but I see that a case could be made there. I think that Erica was a doll that they propped up for the world to look at. I think Tom Girardi liked to show her off. I think he liked to brag about having a young wife. I think he, you know, was it his intention to prop her up to, you know, have it seem like they were wealthy to aid and abet his scheme? Possibly. I mean, it would make sense as to why he invested so much in a music career, Um, but again, was she complicit in doing any of that? Did she really want a music career or was the music career? I don't think the music career was intentionally funded by Girardi Keys in order to do that because that would, that would be like one of the biggest red flags that Gerardi Keys was funding her music career. So I, I don't know. It's a bit of a flimsy argument. Um, uh, I don't know. Like I said, it makes sense. Like, I can see it if I squint my eyes and tilt my head. Like, I can kind of see how we're making that argument. But I don't believe that she willingly knew this. I think that she enjoyed the lavish lifestyle. I think that she enjoyed flashing the lavish lifestyle. Um, but I don't think she was willingly flashing it in order to conceal what Keith Griffin and David Lira and Chris Camone and Tom Girardi are being accused of doing. I don't think that that was her intention. I think she's somebody that didn't come from money. Then she got money. And once she got money, she was like, it's expensive to be me slap slap pat the puss. So I don't think it was willfully trying to conceal the alleged crimes of Keith Griffin, David Lear, Chris Camone, Tom Girardi. They're responsible for their own actions. Now, will ignorance help her escape this? that's where it's going to get a little tricky. I don't know. Does it matter whether she knew or not? Can she still be on the hook? I, like I said, it can be a convincing argument that she that they used her for her image, but we'll see if that's actually going to stick in terms of whether or not she's responsible for paying anything out. I don't... Honestly, I don't think they used her any more or any less than Jay Edelson and Edelson PC are using her right now. They're using her as a press grab. She's headlining this entire tour here, this entire Girardi Keys takedown tour, because she's the most notable. Like, that's the reality of it. Edelson's not dumb. He's a very smart, very savvy lawyer. He knows how to make a big—he knows that making a big accusation against Erica is what will ultimately help get more attention on the case. It's the reason we're all talking about it. He knows. He's smart. Does he actually expect her to pay anything out in the end? I don't think so. I think I mean, he's probably going to try to pursue her. But I think if anything, he's using her because she's what's getting everybody's eyeballs on all of this. And rightfully so. Eyeballs should be on this. We should be talking about this. It is not just a big mess, but it's it looks very bad and it looks very bad in the sense that it does look like it was deliberate. It does look like they were doing this intentionally, you know, from the outside looking in again, I haven't gone deep through these documents. I will try to over the weekend before our show with Emily next week, but it's like, it's not good. It's really not good. Um, But what does it mean for everybody involved or everybody named here? There will need to be further investigation for sure into like who's actually responsible and for what and how that 50 million dollar payout will end up being divided. Some of them may pay it. They all may end up paying it. We don't know how things are going to shake out. We don't know what Erica is going to be responsible for. But I think the accusation of making her the front woman it's not a very strong one. If they make a good convincing argument, I can see how they may win that. But again, my question comes down to, is ignorance going to be able to get her out of this? Because she didn't know. And technically, her job was to flash a lavish, a lavish lifestyle. She didn't have expensive before Housewives. She didn't have how many Fs do I give before Housewives. Those came once she was cast on the show. So... It seemed like The Pretty Mess was a vanity project. It made her happy, and I'm pretty sure it also you know, made Tom Girardi feel good to be able to flaunt and flash his hot, sexy young wife in front of all these other people, probably in a way for him to have his ego and to have his bragging rights. But now that we're looking at all of this, I mean, it's possible that it was more than just to stroke his ego and make him look successful. It was also to help him continue to, you know, defraud people and allegedly steal money from clients and keep up this business that he had running that is being accused of being a criminal enterprise. It's a lot. It's a lot. Curious what your thoughts are. Do you think Erica will have to pay anything? Do you think Erica should have to pay anything? How many times have you heard David Lear, Keith Griffin, and Chris Kimone in comparison to Erica's name? We'll see. But we do know that Jay Edelson, I will say this about Jay. Not only is he a smart and savvy lawyer, and I think, again, he's using Erica for the press attention Whether you want to feel bad for her about that or not is up to you. But I think that he genuinely seems to be doing this for the right reasons. Um, He is covering the expense for the clients up front. I know I got a lot of shit in comparison with Jay and Ronald Richards because I was always trying to remind people that Ronald Richards was making a commission. He was making money off of... um, helping the trustee investigate erica or had a lot of money to potentially make i always wanted to remind people of that and so now that it's being compared to jay edelson who's also likely to gain something press being the most gain for him you know we see him doing kate casey's podcast a lot we see his name mentioned around a lot he has a lot to gain from this the same way like um you know, Robert Kardashian had a lot to gain from the O.J. Simpson trial. Like, when you take on a big, high-profile case, you're going to get attention. It's going to help get you clients and credibility down the line. But I do think that Jay Edelson's intentions here are altruistic, especially a lot more than Ronald Richards. Let's be very clear about that. And I've, I've never have a, had a problem with Ron getting a commission or making his money. Absolutely, you should get paid for the job that you do. My issue was with him trying to project this altruistic image where it seemed like he was a little more thirsty more than he was feeling charitable or feeling like he wanted to fight for the the underdog whereas I think Jay Edelson really wants to do the right thing and knows that he's probably not going to make a ton of money off of this if anything I highly doubt he sees all of that 50 million bare minimum at least let's get the clients paid I'm sure Edelson is already or actually Edelson has claimed that he's lost a lot of money already trying to pursue this I'm Team Edelson here. I want to see him win this. I want to see him take down Keith and David. David Lira, as we know, is Tom Girardi's son-in-law. So obviously, Tom Girardi's daughter has a lot, has a lot, and has had a lot to gain from all of this. So I'm surprised we don't see her dragged into it a lot more. I guess the argument could be made that she's not famous, she's not on television, and she's not flaunting their wealth in front of the world. So... Yes, I can see that argument, but like I said, for a deeper dive into all of this, be sure to get your tickets to our Spilling Tea live show in Nashville next week with Emily D. Baker. It's going to be on April 13th. We are taping it live in Nashville. You can get your tickets, um you can join us in person if you would like if you are local to Nashville and you want to come in and hang out with all of us we also have Molly and Cynthia from 90 Day Fiance that'll be at the show we have Vanity who's a drag queen locally in Nashville who's going to be doing some opening numbers Housewives Inspired that'll be a lot of fun but if you do want to check out the show guys get your tickets at SpillingTeaLive.com $4.99 gets you access to view the show view the live stream um, but you don't get access to the recording afterwards so you only get to watch it live if you get a vip ticket you get to join the vip live chat you get to get a copy of the broadcast afterwards i believe it's valid for up to a week that you get to have that um and you do get um access to the behind the scenes series that adam and i are taping in each of the cities today is the last day though if you want to get the vip the ultra vip bundles Today is your last day because our LA show is tomorrow. So I would suggest if you haven't gotten an ultra VIP bundle, you get that today. That way you get access to this Thursday's show at the Bourbon Room with Sheena and Brock and Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz. That's going to be a really fun show, guys. So get ready for that. Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker have gotten married, or have they? So there was a report over the weekend or over this past week that... Travis Kravis, I was trying to remember their name, Kravis got married in Vegas after the Grammys. Um, I can say that they are not actually married. They got pretend married with an Elvis impersonator. So there was no actual marriage license, but they did. They did get married. You know, the same way you get married when you're like in the first grade and you're like, this is my girlfriend. I'm going to get married and we're going to play house. So that's what they're doing. But there's no real wedding. There's no because I know online people are like, oh, my God, Kris Jenner is dying because there was no prenup agreement. They're not married. There was no marriage license. It's fine. It was cute. Courtney posted some photos on her Instagram today. Very exciting. Um, So, yeah, it is a good, good, good time. For it is a good, good time to be a Kardashian. We know keeping or not keeping up the Kardashians, sorry, we know the Kardashians, which is the name of their new show on Hulu that premieres April 14th. I'm excited for it. I love the Kardashians. Let's do it. Let's get it, get it, get it. Okay, and other Bravo news Mike Showhead from Shaz of Sunset was arrested for domestic violence. As reported by Page Six, on March 27th, police were called to Mike's home, and he was arrested and taken into custody that night. He was arrested for intimate partner violence with injury. It is also noted that there was a visible injury, which makes this a felony count of corporal injury on a spouse or cohabitant. He was booked early the next morning. I believe he was arrested around 10 p.m. and booked uh, or, yeah, arrested about 10, um, booked about 1 a.m. So that's why n- early next morning, it's technically the same night, but also technically the next day. Technicalities, semantics, guys. So his rep has now spoken out and they're denying that Mike has had any participation in any wrongdoings. I'm, I, guess they're claiming that the arrest was not real. Um, the part that gets a little tricky, they're claiming that the allegations are false and that there's no evidence to prove that the allegations were true. But the tricky part is that the claim is that there was visible injury. We don't know who the victim is. It's being assumed that this is Paulina, who's Mike's girlfriend. We saw her and their relationship put in the hot seat on the most recent season of Shots of Sunset. So it's very messy. Um, we don't know if it's her. We do know that her Instagram was deleted after the the incident. So could it be her? Or could it be someone? I mean, it says cohabitant or spouse. They're not married, so it can't be his spouse. I would. I mean, but when I read cohabitant, was it her? Was it somebody? Was it like a friend of hers that was staying there? Um, does she have? She has kids, right? Does she have kids? Yeah, she does because he was acting. He was like, I'm, you know, a good stepdad. Was it one of the kids that could have been affected by this? Would that count as a cohabitant? I don't know. I guess that's a question for Emily D. Baker. It's unclear who the victim was. We're just assuming that it's Paulina. We haven't heard anything from her. The only thing we've heard is the statement that was released through Mike's attorney. He is due in court on July 25th. So get ready for that guys get ready for it get ready let's go oh hey hey Freddie. let's get it get it get it Ew. guys i'm so excited about the spilling tea live show this thursday we adam and i've been like working really hard and doing lots of rehearsals and after this i have to go because we have to rehearse again tonight at the actual venue it's gonna be good it's gonna be fun i can't wait i'm so excited i can't wait for everybody to check it out um but i will say so i'll give house housewives fans if i didn't lose you with the kardashian stuff so i went to go see dr jen armstrong from the real housewives of orange county she's the newbie she joined this season with noella she's the one with the hot husband ryan he doesn't have a shirt cutie patootie um their marriage this season has been you know a bit rocky from what we've seen on the show they are still together um but so anyway i went to see her on monday because I was like, I need to look fresh for this Billing Tea live tour. I need, you know. And I thought it would be fun to do it with Dr. Jen. I do have a plastic surgeon that normally does my Botox. But I was like, eh, I think it'll be fun. Let me book an appointment with Dr. Jen Armstrong from the Royal Hustlers of Orange County. And it'd be fun to film it for our behind-the-scenes series that Adam and I are taping. For the behind-the-scenes of the tour. For our live stream ticket buyers. So I went in to see her. And she... Made me look extra, extra cute. It's expensive to be me. It is sexy to be me. Eh, 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 eh. Okay, so let's talk about the work that we had done because I'm very happy with, with the results. So, well, first off, I've gotten Botox before, a few times before. I usually get it um, to clear up these 11 lines right here, which are those like um, the lines in between your eyebrows for people that are listening to the podcast, or you can see the results on the YouTube, youtube.com slash just So, we did 60 units of Botox, mostly in my forehead, definitely the 11 lines. Um, I think we did a little bit in my nose um, and a little down here. You'll watch. You'll get to see the full thing. We filmed all of it, so you'll get to see it. I'll upload the video of my visit with her on the YouTube channel and on Instagram, and then we'll obviously have some of it also featured in the behind-the-scenes series with me and Adam. Um, oh, I should put the, the before and after photos here. Okay, so... Here's the before photo if you're watching this on YouTube. Here is the after photo. So you can kind of see them you know, together side by side. So what you'll notice is in addition to the Botox, and so what Botox does is it um, prevents the lines from further developing like deeper wrinkles. So I started getting Botox a lot earlier, or not a lot earlier, I was like in my mid to late 20s. I'm 28, I'll be 29 in June. Um, So I started doing Botox a couple years ago, and with that, the reason – and I learned this from Sheena Shea on Vanderpump Rules – is that you get it done early so that the wrinkles don't get any, like, deeper. So you keep everything smooth. It, you know, it uh, freezes the muscles. That way you don't – there isn't a whole ton of movement, and then, therefore, you aren't, you know – Increasing the uh, the creases in your faces that develop wrinkles. That's when people are like you're too young to get Botox. I'm like, actually, it's a preventative tool because, like, look at my forehead is so smooth right now. You can't see any of the wrinkles in my forehead. It the it takes about a week to fully set in. Um, and I believe filler takes about two weeks to fully set in. So. Just know that they're, the full results will continue to sink in. but So I now continue to document them as they continue to develop. But this is me a couple days after. What's today? Wednesday. So yeah, 48 hours after, or I guess a little less than 48 hours, but two days after seeing Dr. Jen, these are the results thus far. You can look at the brows look perfection. The eyes look perfection. Okay. So yes, we did new Tox is what it's called so it's juvo and it is like botox so there are different types of quote-unquote botox i guess the best way to like compare it or describe it is like xerox you know when people make copies and they just always refer to a copy as a xerox because xerox was the first person to come out with it same thing with botox but now we have like zeman and we have juvo so we have a whole bunch of different options now juvo apparently works quicker um and it's you know some people prefer it over like the traditional Botox or some of the other options that are available. So Botox is something I've done for a while. Again, I like to use it as a preventative tool to not get deeper fine lines and wrinkles. Because basically, I guess, what was the person? I can't remember an... I feel bad because I wanted to credit this, but like, it's like when you fold a piece of paper, when you fold it a little bit, like there's a little bit of a fold, but the deeper you fold it, so the more you use those those muscles to develop those lines in your skin, and as you get older, you lose elastin, you lose collagen, so they just continue to get worse and worse as you age. That's why I'm a fan of getting Botox early on, but let's talk about the filler, okay, because I've never done filler before, and I was a little nervous about doing filler, but... Um, Again, because I've never done it. And like I see people in LA and a lot of them have like that big giant puffy pillow face. And I was like, I don't want to do it if I don't actually need it. But I talked to Dr. Jen about it. She gave me a little consult. She did what she thought was necessary. If anything, I was like, what I really want is to fix my under eyes and my smile lines. Because my smile lines, I noticed, were starting to get really deep. And I was getting really insecure about them. Um, listen, when you have to watch yourself on camera multiple times a week, like it's hard. And you start to critique yourself. The internet critiques you, but then you critique yourself even worse. But so in addition to the smile lines, I also um, was really bothered by my under eyes. So I had like some hollowing. That's why like in photos and stuff, like I would always like try to tilt my chin up um, because it would kind of conceal like what would, would appear as like uh, bags under my eyes. And it was really just because of the hollowing under my eyes because there wasn't a ton of fat there. And so it would make it look like I had these big ugly bags. Whereas like if I'm I'm tilting my face down here and you can see that like I don't appear to have really bad bags anymore. And so now I can actually tilt my face down um, thanks to the magic of Dr. Jen. So in with the filler, though, we went with um, Teoxane RHA3, which is from the RHA collection also great. Love it. Very happy about it. Um, I'm very happy with the results. We did under eye filler. She filled me in a little here in between my smile lines and my actual eye. And that was to help with these smile lines to kind of give my face a little bit of that lift so that those wrinkles weren't getting too deep. And then on top of that, she did just like teen little injections into those smile lines because one of my other concerns is i was like people and i think i talked about this when we were doing the real as of miami recap what people do is they have their smile lines actually injected with filler and what that does is it gives you like this poofy monkey mouth and nobody likes nobody wants a monkey mouth oh i'm like sweating because it's hot in here um but anyway so yeah i had these smile lines touched up i like a little smile line so like you can still see them but i'd look a little more youthful i'm obsessed with the results i didn't get any the it's also common to get filler in your cheeks for higher cheekbones my cheekbones are already very high i think i have good bone structure thank you i got it from my mama i got it from my mama who also complains about her face kind of being too narrow and how she wishes she had more fat in her face. But yeah, so I have the high cheekbones. And then my jaw was fine too, because I know Dr. Jen is also like popular for her jaw by Jen. Steve from Faces by Bravo has gotten it. Jeff Epstein has gotten it. Uh, Evan Real, I saw from Page Six also got it. So she's really popular for the jaw. I think my jaw is perfect. It's perfection to be me. Thank you very much. I love my jaw. I love my cheekbones. So I didn't want to touch either of those. But The biggest part for me was the under eye filler. And I was actually just talking with Steve about it this morning. He called me because we were getting ready for the show tomorrow. And he's like, aren't you obsessed with under eye filler? I was like, I'm fucking obsessed. Like obsessed. I've always been so insecure about my under eyes. And now I'm just like in love. I can't. It's just, it's great. Thank you, Dr. Jen Armstrong. Adore her, love her. Guys, if you are local in Los Angeles or in Orange County, I highly suggest it because I told her, I was like, I want to look natural. I don't want to look pillow-faced. I don't want to have you know, too puffy of a face. That was my other concern, was like looking puffy. Nobody likes to look puffy. So I think the results look really good, and I think they look really natural, and that's what I've heard from people in the past two days that have seen me since then in person. For those of you that are coming to the LA show, you can tell me whether or not you think I look good and I look natural. Or if I look like a Ken doll, which Dr. Jen Armstrong said, no Ken doll. We're going to make you look, we're going to make you look perfect, but not like scary perfect. Because like nobody likes that either. All right, guys. That's all I got for you. That's all I got for you today. Love ya. Can't wait to see you on the road this month on the road again. We are going to be in LA on April 7th. We are going to be in Nashville April 13th. And we're going to be in New York City with Margaret Josephs on April 28th. We have Sheena Brock, Tom Sandoval, Tom Schwartz, Steve from Faces by Bravo, Jeff Epstein, Ryan Bailey, and Jolene Lunzer at our LA show. In Nashville, we have Emily D. Baker. We have Vanity. We have Molly and Cynthia from 90 Day Fiancé and from Pillow Talk. And then in New York City, we have DJ Richie Sky, We have Anthony Lario. We have Jess Rothschilds. We have Tom Hamlet. We have Sarah Galli. We have Margaret Josephs. And then, of course, Jason Barron, Adam's fiance, is also going to be at all three shows and in all three shows with us. So you'll get to hang with Jason, too. I'm excited. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to Pure Cane for making our VIP pre-parties possible. We love Pure Cane. It sweetens our life. It's an all-natural zero-calorie sweetener, and it is delicious. I've also been loving their Electro Canister, which are electrolytes that I've been taking to help me stay hydrated. Oof. Guys, if you haven't stocked up yet, please go and support No Filter Wine at nofilterwine.com because it is yummy, it is delicious, and I can't wait to share it with all of you. So, and please continue to send me your picks because I love seeing them and reposting them. At Just Plain Zach, at No Filter, it's at Zack. get the wine at nofilterwine.com. Love you, mean it, bye.